The following episode contains extremely graphic material. Welcome back to Killing Dad Presents The Miscreants, season two of our true crime series investigating family murders. All three miscreants were locked up after committing unthinkable murders. Duck Wynn, annoyed with the prison system that delayed his execution, took his own life in prison by hanging himself. Maria, who had a four-year-old boy named Ben, with Duck, who was 20 years older than her, was serving life for killing their son in a failed family suicide pact. Now the families of Peggy Crawford and Keith Christopher prepare to watch Alvaro die by lethal injection. You are listening to the final chapter of Killing Dad, Season 2, The Miscreants. I'm Melissa McCarty. And I'm Kelly McClear. And now, the conclusion of The Miscreants. The night before Alvaro Calambra would be executed, he was given his last meal. He ate steak, rice, and apple pie. Detective Ron Dreer, who spent the most amount of time with Alvaro, said, he's a rare breed of man, one with zero remorse and empathy for human life. I think he's an example of why we have the death penalty because there is evil in the world and he's a perfect example of somebody that has relived this and relived this. and God knows how many times he's gone over in his mind what he did to these people. And as you heard him say, it's just there's no emotion there. Basically, his comments were like, hey, it is what it is and God's going to forgive me and that's it. And it's like you have no remorse for what you did. None. Absolutely none. Uh, and you figure, well, God's going to forgive you, so therefore, it's okay for what you did. It's okay for all the evil that you did. Hey, okay, I can, I can do it. Because you know what? My way out is I just go to God and say, God, please forgive me for what I've done. And so God will forgive me, so therefore, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. No, I have not seen people with that kind of mental set um, the, in my career where they're evil like that. There, there's not a lot of them. The day of Alvaro's death is cemented in David Stanton's mind as he was the prosecutor who successfully tried the death penalty case. I remember looking around the room, um, and it's a dark room where the witnesses are standing, and then through the glass, the gurney where the inmate is laid and the execution process takes place is lit. And so it's kind of a it would be kind of like an operating room that's illuminated, but that the spectators are in darkness. And I remember looking around the room because uh, myself and Keith and Peggy's families were the first ones to enter. And so we went all the way across the room. It's kind of a broad bay window kind of setup. And the glow from the lights was illuminating everybody's face that was in there. Once again, You know, by law, certain people uh, are mandatory uh, witnesses, members of the press and so forth. And then there's invitations made. And I'm looking at the faces and I knew almost everybody in there from this whole process. But I also, it was struck me that I was the only one there that had been to the scene. And I found that an important part of the debate on the death penalty 
which I think is very healthy to have um, and should be vigorously done uh, both in legislatures and in courtrooms and in public discussions. Stanton was then 35 years old, witnessing the first execution of his career, one that had a profound impact on every decision he made moving forward for years to come. It was extremely tense and nervous, I think, by everybody, because it was, where do you go? What do you stand? What's going to happen next? I mean, there's no person coming over the intercoms telling you what's about to happen or what you're witnessing. And so there's this, you know, and then the people are in, all the witnesses are in a in this one room and the very nature of your background to why you're in the room was compelling. I mean, from on the one hand, you have the victims' families who are so raw with emotion on many different levels. But now they've had years since their loved ones had been murdered and that boiling rage that's underneath there is now mixed with that you're about to watch the person responsible die right in front of you. And I mean, not more than five to eight feet away from you. And then you have other people that are there that are just witnessing it for the public, members of the media who have probably never seen anything remotely like this and then all of a sudden the door opens up and in walks Alvaro and he he has uh, handcuffed uh, to what's called a belly chain so it's a set of handcuffs that are then attached to a um, belt a leather belt that's placed around the waist Um, and He walks in and he begins looking from his left to his right. And I'm all the way to his right um, as he's looking. And he just slowly glances through the room. And then he comes to what I believe was me. And he nods his head. And I thought that was, it caught me off guard, number one. And the next thing he did was he turned his hip kind of parallel or perpendicular to the um, the table, and then he hops up on the on the uh, table. And what normally happens is there's a stool there to stand up, and then the correctional officers assist because you're you don't have a lot of movement with your arms and your legs, and they assist you in laying down. But you know. Alvaro didn't know any better, and obviously because of the position we're in and the position he took about not pursuing his appeals, he was, in my opinion, that day and in the years leading up to it, prepared to die for what he had done. The years of waiting boiled down to just minutes, watching Alvaro take his last breath. The 25-year-old had some last words right before he was put to death. He said, I regret it. When asked if he was ready, Alvaro nodded his head yes. Yeah, well, uh, number one is uh, the execution process takes uh, a very short period of time, like a matter of seconds. You can see the body kind of react to uh, the medicines or the fluids that are entering his body and then no movement whatsoever. So some people may, when I read accounts of 
you know, three minutes later, they're pronounced dead. Uh, you know, someone comes in with a stethoscope and makes some medical findings, and then the pronouncement formally is made. But it's very quick. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part, and you get to take the credit. A busy fall schedule doesn't always leave you with time to spare, and with HelloFresh, you don't need to spend all evening in the kitchen to whip up a wholesome meal. With their quick and easy recipes and 15-minute meals, you can get a tasty dinner on the table in less time than it takes to get takeout or delivery or even go to the grocery store. I mean, who wants to do that? As you know, Melissa, this is my my crazy busy time of the year. I don't have the time at all to go to the grocery store. So HelloFresh has literally been a godsend for me. You know, I don't have to shop. Everything is delivered right to my door. Everything's portioned out. The instructions are super simple. And I want to share two of my favorite recipes so far. One is the crispy kickin' cayenne chicken cutlets. My husband and I love stuff spicy, and this one did not disappoint. But it's not too spicy, but like spicy enough. And then the super speedy beef lo mein. Oh my goodness, licking the bowl clean. It was so amazing, so good. Everything was so fast, so easy. I want to call it not HelloFresh, but Hello Yum and Fun. That sounds delicious. I'm hungry now. So listen, just go to HelloFresh.com slash 50KillingDad and use code 50KillingDad for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. Yeah, you really can't beat that deal. So that's HelloFresh.com slash 50KillingDad and use the code 50KillingDad for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Detective Dave Jenkins says each murder he solves is the most horrific act for the loved ones. For this case of the miscreants, it's more their methods that made it unforgettable. I would not suppose for a moment that the families and loved ones of these victims uh, thought it was any less heinous than any other murder. Uh, Obviously, the victims and people who lose their loved ones in a murder uh, rightfully believe that uh, it's the worst crime that could ever uh, be perpetrated against them. Um, This was, in the, the method of death, perhaps... Uh, separated only by its gruesomeness and the protracted period of time. Um, Sometimes the infliction of a single gunshot wound might appear a little more sanitary, uh, a little quicker, uh, would certainly involve a lot less suffering by the victim. Uh, So in that respect, this was certainly very, very ugly. Uh, In fact, I don't know that I worked many cases that would be... uh, more gruesome than this one. The brother of Keith Christopher commented directly after the execution saying, quote, I thank him for standing up and taking responsibility for what he did. At least he was man enough to accept his punishment. The father of Peggy Crawford also commented after the execution saying, It won't bring closure, though. Closure means everything is back to normal. We can never get Peggy back but the person who killed our daughter is dead.
and yet another bizarre twist in a series of events that played out like scenes from a movie and at times taken from scenes of movies, there is another killing, that of a local hero. And I'm going, oh, that's really tragic. So I flip back to the first page to look at who was the person killed and I about fell out of my seat. Stanton routinely reviewed death reports of all kinds coming out of the Reno area. It was just one of his many responsibilities as deputy district attorney to conduct an overview of investigations. A few years after Duck and Alvaro were both dead, he's reviewing various death reports. And so I kind of go through, you know, I don't look at the name really closely. I just go to the facts and just see if there's anything about it. And, you know, nine times out of 10, there's nothing about the case or the circumstances that strike any bell with me or cause any interest for me to then look into that death further. But as I'm looking at this, the facts of it are that a group of tourists from um, Southeast Asia had come to Reno and went to a gun store and had gone out in the desert um, with automatic machine weapons, machine guns, um, and were shooting in the desert, which is something that some gun stores uh, throughout the United States uh, have as kind of a business besides selling guns and whatever. And and usually people are interested in what I would consider exotic. So large bore rifles, 50 cal uh, rifles or fully automatic weapons, something like that. And so they're out there with a rather difficult in, uh, machine gun to, to operate. You have to fire them and know how to handle them because they're a little skittish, especially when they're fired in full automatic. And these gentlemen are out, and the investigation indicates that a gentleman is firing the machine gun, and out of a bush jumps a jackrabbit, and he begins to track the rabbit with the machine gun firing it and kind of loses track of where he is and who's around him. And instead of stopping the arc, because now as he's swinging his arm, firing this machine gun, he's now going towards the people in his group that are standing around him. He's so wrapped up into shooting at this rabbit, and he ultimately swings the arc, still firing the machine gun at full blast, and strikes the, the guy, the person that's out there with him. And I'm going, oh, that's really tragic so I flipped back to the first page to look at who was the person killed and I about fell out of my seat when I see that it's Chong Bik Lim the owner of T&L Guns and so I immediately called the homicide detectives from Reno Police Department and I go fellas I just read this report are you kidding me is it who I think they it is that died and they said Yep, it's him. And I just felt that all that he had been through and how close he had come to death when by these two guys uh, robbing him and him not getting down on the ground at gunpoint and reminding uh, the grand jury that if you get on the ground, you die. 
I thought it was um, bitter irony that he died in the fashion they did. That unforgettable scene outside Zhang Biklin's gun store in Reno, Nevada, where he stood tall and brave, face to face with Alvaro and Duck before the shootout. Yet another tragic ending in the twist of the miscreants. This blew my mind when I found out. Did you know that over 80% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about? Seriously, think of how many free trials you've subscribed to that you've probably never canceled. Are your subscriptions draining your wallet? So the average person has around 12 paid subscriptions, and they might not even remember subscribing to half of those. And if you have no idea just how much you're spending each month, you need Rocket Money. It's this great app that tracks all of your expenses, so you know exactly where your money is going. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. So most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, when in reality, the number is closer to $200. When you are signing up for so many things, like the streaming services you use to watch, you know, one program per streaming service, or those free trials for delivery you don't use, it's so easy to lose track of what you're paying for. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just a press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. And this is pretty cool. So Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash killing dad. That's rocketmoney.com slash killing dad. Rocketmoney.com slash killing dad. What some might consider the most surprising of this tale is that of Maria Calambro. She was young and sucked into the crime life by Duck, a man 20 years her senior. Duck had a stronghold on her, one powerful enough to declare the family suicide pact, and for her to carry out his wishes, albeit failed. It's a loss she will forever be haunted by. Maria was sentenced to life in prison, but 28 years into her sentence, in 2022, she was released. Maria is now 53 years old, the only miscreant to see the light of day, and that has another shot at life. This has been season two of Killing Dad, The Miscreants. Thank you for letting us share this unbelievable tale of events, one that has forever scarred those who lived through it. The Miscreants is the story of two men whose lives were shaped by American television and movies and who carried out the most heinous of crimes. If you didn't hear it firsthand, you might have thought these tales were from a Hollywood movie. But for the victims and their families, this tragic tale is all too real. And our heartfelt sympathies go out to everyone the miscreant's actions have touched. We thank Blake Chow for his firsthand account of the memorable SWAT standoff. And to the hostage Veronica, who shared with us her story. We were humbled and privileged to speak with Detectives Dreer and Jenkins and Deputy District Attorney David Stanton. 
We thank them for their loyal, heavy-hearted, and diligent service they provided their communities over the years. You can find Kelly and myself on Instagram for any further questions. Thank you for listening to The Miscreants. Ah!